What's up and welcome back to Coast to Coast MBA. And today we are bringing back our buddy, Tim Thorncrist. What better way to enter the all-star break than to talk about the hottest team going into the break, the Boston Celtics. I, I think Tim is a little ready to bleed green here. You ready? I've, I've been, I was born ready, my man. Listen, I, I know you've been itching to, to finally talk something positive here. It's been a little bit, but let, let, let's start by talking about where this all began. I think we can go back to New Year's Eve when the Celtics beat the Suns right now. They aren't just an absolute tear, not just that nine game winning streak, but let me, let me just drop this for everyone out there. Since New Year's Eve, the Celtics have a near plus 13 net rating in the league. That's the best by far in the league during the stretch. They're hands down the best defense and they are surged to being a maybe borderline. They're, they're a top 10 offense. They're a top 10 offense right now. And I just got to say, that is this the best stretch of Celtics basketball you've seen, I don't know, in two years? Um, in two years, 100%, because from last season into this year, it's been very troublesome at times, and it's been very tough to watch because I love watching my team, but when they're so up and down like a roller coaster, it becomes a little annoying at times. But in terms of the past two years, this has to be the hottest stretch because uh, it, the defense has outweighed the offense, but the offense has been there as well. So 100% has been the hottest stretch over the past two years. And they've been long overdue. I keep telling you that, you know, they just need to hit a five to 10 game win streak to kind of propel themselves forward in the standings. And they certainly hit it at the most perfect time. It would have been ideal if they cleaned up against one of the worst teams in the league, but <laughs> you know, that was uh, your typical trap game. So it, it yeah. happens. Uh, it doesn't dissuade me from where this team is currently going. And um, yeah, to answer your question, it has to be the hottest streak in two years. Yeah, it, it's funny, right? Because you you go on this nine game winning streak and then it's so obvious, like the, the betting lines were insane for the Celtics to beat the Pistons. It was just all set up to be the most classic trap game ever going into the all-star break. And it's it's what it ended up being. And I, I think you have the right take there. I, I don't I don't know if... Uh, if you're the only person with that take, because there's a lot of people who are just climbing over the ledge, just ready to, to get back on the bandwagon. And then they see that Detroit loss and like, oh, here we go again. These Celtics disappointing me again. But I, I think this one is, is a little different. That that's It happens to the best of the best teams. Um, and, you know, credit to Detroit, honestly. I mean, they, they, they're playing their heart out. Sadiq Bey was, was going off. Cade was going off. Stewart was getting a million offensive rebounds. But... I, I won't, we won't spend too much time uh, uh, belying the details of that game. But um, I think that the biggest question is, is this, is this a real change? Is, is this a shift in the team mentality, the team culture, their identity? Is this what we should expect going forward? 100%. And the reason why I'm so confident in saying that is because it certainly seems like they have found their identity and that identity is defense. And uh, with good defense comes good offense. And when you play hard, those 50-50 balls go your certain way. So uh, a deciding factor for me, it seems like Marcus Smart has really taken the role, his role, and understood it. And he was out on this past game. And that was one of the first times that the defense had let up over 100 105 points or so during that 10 game stretch so um they certainly found their identity and they're playing well and the addition of Derek White is the perfect addition for exactly what they're trying to do 
And uh, we saw a little snippet of it towards the end of that Detroit game where he stole the ball with five seconds left. It was kind of your typical Marcus Smart play. And now you have a second player in Derek White who can make those good defensive plays. He's certainly one of the best passers on the team immediately. And um, they found their identity. Uh, this is what to expect to go forward. And I see them coming out of the break, winning the next three games. They go up against, I believe it's uh, Brooklyn. They they face Indiana in that stretch. And they also face the Pistons again, I believe. So you got three relatively easy games because that game is in Brooklyn. So what could have been a 10-game win streak could have maybe stretched into 13. But I can see them coming right off the bat hot. And um, assuming, hopefully, that Marcus Smart isn't too banged up, having him back in the lineup will get that identity back and rolling and hopefully, um, you know, keep, keep a good win streak going on. And that, that's really what you want to see. I mean, that you're really hoping that Detroit game was just a trap game and that's it, that it doesn't really affect the, the mentality of, of the Boston team now moving forward. I mean, it, it's great to see this turnaround. I mean, when we talked, I think it was around December 23rd, when we had you on last, they were 16 and 16. They were eighth in the East. They went to as low as 11th. And now yeah. they're up in six. They're right up there battling. They're they're very close. Obviously, it's very tight up in the in the uh, the top rounds of the Eastern Conference. So now they're right back in the battle. And that nine game win streak was wasn't just anything. I mean, they beat the Heat by thirty points. They beat the Nets by thirty five. And of course, they had that unbelievable performance against Philly, where they beat them by forty eight points. Uh, kept them beat to below twenty, which automatically means you're like the greatest defense of all time the way he's playing they shoot over 55 percent from three making 25 it was just unbelievable and are we now starting to see this boston team kind of sculpted in the image of their new head coach is, is this the, the team that emmy adoka wanted from the start but we're only starting to get to really see see it come to light now yeah, I, I certainly believe so. I believe that when we made the coaching change in the offseason, uh, one of the first things that Udoka said was about the defense, and they got to play great defense, and they certainly have the pieces to do so with the size and the length and the tenacious defense in Rob Williams as well as Marcus Smart. So you throw in uh, Derek White into the mix, and also that addition with Tice is a low-key, very nice move because when he was playing with the Celtics a couple years back, he was a perfect backup center at the time. He was kind of the starting center, but with the emergence of Rob Williams, kind of having Tice in the back as the backup center is going to be huge for the team because he brings another defensive emphasis to it. So um, I certainly believe that this is exactly what Udoka thought the team would be. And they're certainly hitting their stride at the best point. And they've only gotten better throughout the months. I saw something on Twitter just before jumping on here. From October, November, December, January, and February, they've they've only increased in wins. So the team's getting better as the season goes along. And there's been some tough losses in there. So uh, it's good to see that the team has continued to fight back. And as you mentioned, when I was on on December 23rd, they were literally just a middle-of-the-pack team, just a, a certainly a play-in team. And now they're just two games out of the third seed. So um this is exactly what the team should be. And I expect them to fully be that going forward. Yeah. And I think you said it there in the defense. That's it's awesome to see it consistently because you saw it in so many stretches, like three quarters of awesome defense. And the, those three quarters of awesome defense all season long is why, you know, this isn't just some random blip of, of good defense. They've been a top five hovering at a top five defense all season long, really. Um, so it's no surprise to me right now that engaged 
all game long. They are just crushing teams in nine games. I think it's a 21 point margin of victory. That's insane. And in the defensive part of it, um, why I think too, this is sustainable is how they're doing it. Um, they're, they're not doing a lot of gimmicky things on defense. They love to switch a lot and they're really good at it and they have the personnel for it. Um, Grant yeah. Williams has been great and you really see how good Robert Williams is on the perimeter and he's only getting started. I think he still has a lot of potential to keep getting better at that. Um, and fun fact here on switching Brown Tatum and smart. They're all top 15 in the league on switches they're top 15 in defensive rating when switching and i think udoka has really empowered the individual ability of all his defenders and all his weapons especially in the pain i mean williams and horford that those two are just the perfect pain protectors here and i think ronan to your point this is what udoka wanted this team to be from a defensive perspective i think that's why i'm excited i'm excited about what they're going to do in the playoffs from that point of view. Cause you know, we, we can talk about offense here in a second, but defense is really what's going to be the thing that keeps this team in games that allows them to, you know, if, if Tatum's having a, a bad night, like he's had plenty of them that gets magnified when the defense gets sloppy, but you know, when they're still putting in the effort on that end of the floor, they have opportunities to make up for nights where him and Brown aren't necessarily balling like that. So I I'm excited to see this continue. And I have no reason to believe that'll change at least. Absolutely. There's certainly a threat in the East. And, um, you know, in December 23rd, I would never have thought to say that, but they've kind of emerged as that team that, to your point, defense is going to keep them in games. And they got one of the best defenses in the league. And it's going to be exciting to see what this team can do. Um, and, and sticking to that point, because, you know, I want to talk about the the East as a whole. And I think the the way that the Celtics fit in here is, is becoming more apparent due to that strength. How do you feel now that there's been some movement? You talked about the, the trade deadline acquisition. Celtics really went all in on defense. And I, I'd say there's a little bit more to green than, than meets the eye. We'll, we'll say that. Um, or white. I keep, I keep saying green. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, but I, I, I wonder how you feel about, you know, how are you going to match up with the Nets? Given, you know, if, if Kyrie is allowed to play, Durant is healthy. They got Simmons. And let's talk, too, about, I mean, Seth Curry, he's been awesome there. Um, and then now you get Harden with Embiid. You see how well the Raptors have been playing. The Heat have been great all year. Now they get Butler and Adebayo back. The Bulls, you know, they're not even healthy yet. DeRozan's playing like crazy. You know, the, the East is tough. So do you, do you feel like the Celtics can match up with anybody with their defense? Is there any team that scares you like, oh, that matchup? Like, like Giannis, for example, like, how, how do you feel like you, you get into some of these matchups? Do you feel scared by any of them? You know, I wouldn't feel as intimidated to face the Bucks as I would feel to face a team like Brooklyn or even Philly, because with that pick and roll action with Harden and Embiid, it's going to be very mm -hmm. hard to stop. But now you add in, assuming Brooklyn is 100% healthy and Kyrie can play in the home games, I'm interested to see how Ben Simmons can be, but he's he's one of the better defenders in the NBA. So uh, with that offensive firepower in Brooklyn, it's a little bit intimidating. And Seth Curry has he's he's lit up the Celtics before. And um, so adding in the perimeter shooting that that team has, it it could bring some tough, tough switches, tough ways that the Celtics could maybe even 
you know, defend them in certain ways. So I would say that, you know, it's not like a cakewalk and I wouldn't say that the team, it can beat anyone because those, those teams have the better players in certain positions. And that's something that I can't overlook. And although Tatum and Brown are who they are, you know, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden and Embiid are four of the top 10 players in the entire league, not to even mention Giannis with the Bucks. So uh, it, it would be tough. It really all depends on matchups. And I'm so excited to see where the matchups fall because, you know, if, if a team like Philly could play Brooklyn in the first round, then you don't have to see one of the, one of those two teams. So uh, it'd be interesting to see where the standings fall. Yeah. yeah the, the first round of the playoffs is going to be, it's going to be a rock fight. There's going to be so many good teams that might not even make it out of the first round. And how many years have you seen go by where the first round is honestly just like a, it was, you know, you're just, it's a walkthrough. You're walking through these, these terrible teams that just barely made it in, but it's, it's totally possible that the Brooklyn Nets walk into like a, a seventh, seventh or eighth seed, um, depending on you know, when does Simmons come back? When is Durant going to be healthy? Does the vaccine mandate come out? I think Kyrie only has six more games to play, which is insane to me. Um, Andre, but... been working for him either. Seriously. Well, um, let's, let's talk some offense here. But one thing I've noticed um, is the passing. But like, where, where did that where did that start to improve? It it, it feels over this stretch, um, in terms of passing, they went from a bottom ten team in total passes per game to a top ten team in total passes per game, and that it's been pretty apparent. It feels like it's more fluid on the floor. Feels like there there's a lot less selfishness, a lot less ISO heavy. And, and you know, there's a a literal quote from Embiid where he says the uh, the Celtics are easy team to defend and I think Yudoka put that on the bulletin they're all smacking it on their way out and I thought that was an awesome way to really just go into Philly and just shut them all up and put such a performance like that but I think it really speaks to how they've changed their game and I wonder where where do you think that came from like what 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 kind of galvanized that you know like it's it's crazy it's night and day from the beginning of the season until now because you're right to your point there was a ton of ISO ball in the beginning of the season and it was very frustrating to watch, but uh, it's all about the fluidity on the court. Uh, there's, they're making the extra passes. They're moving around. They're switching on defense. It just seems like they're all engaged together. So I think it starts with um, the identity of the team. They found their identity and then the rest of the dominoes fall into place. And you have certain players that are starting to, know their role and I think smart is kind of understanding his role because he wants to be that third star on the team but now he's kind of taking it to be the point guard where he's making more of a point of emphasis to make the better pass rather than hucking up as many three-pointers as he once was so um you know my thoughts are that they found their identity and everything else fell into place and it's certainly been a joy to watch because they're making that extra pass they're finding that open man in the corner and they're switching on defense and they're really moving forward as a team. And it seems like they're having a lot of fun. So it's been, um, I, I, my thoughts are, it's just the identity of the team coming to light, everything else making more sense from that. Yeah. It seems like that's kind of, you keep going back to smart and he's definitely uh, improved as season goes on. Uh, earlier on in the season, he was seeing, seeing kind of annoyed at what was going on. And I think, uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw Tatum on the JJ Reddick's podcast. And after, yep. after uh, Smart made comments, I think much of it was Tatum and Brown or just Tatum that he needs to pass more. He said that they went down and they, they sat down and they just talked it out. And 
think it's kind of since then, I think everyone's kind of understood their role a bit better and things have just progressively got better within the Celtics camp. And that's that's been huge for them because obviously Smart is, as we know, is definitely a big personality uh, among, among mm-hmm. the locker room and that. So when when he's on uh, when he's on the right him sheet as everyone else, you know things are going to be clicking. And he's not this superstar offensive guy that Brown or Tatum is, but the role that he can play for this team is, is so crucial. And it's great to see that he is really embodying that at the moment and it's really helping this Boston team kick on. Yeah, no, it's critical to their success. So that's an excellent point, Ronan. Yeah, it's good to see him be... Uh, two things. One on the court, be put in that traditional role, allowing him to be more of a point guard. You know, when you see him allowed to have the ball in his hands, bring it up the court and get a uh, team in sets, like he's much more engaged. He's so much more engaged and the team is so much the cleaner for it. Like the, the possessions are a lot cleaner when he's starting the possessions off. And it, how many times do you see, you know, they, they stick him in the corner, they stick him in the wing um, off ball. And if he doesn't even touch the ball in a possession, like he's, it's not even helping because teams are going to let him shoot and he's not going to have the gravity as an off ball shooter to even help Tatum if he's just trying to ISO. So it, it's good to see that. And it's good to see more of it, even with uh, the presence of Derek White. And on the second point, like you're talking about all the off court stuff, you know, Marcus Smart has been forever just been this identity of the Celtics. He's been the heart and soul. And it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. And it, it's cool to see throughout the throes of a difficult year, another difficult year, like this consecutive years. And we're so used to an NBA where anytime you see drama like that, you're like, Oh, you can trade that guy. They don't like each other. Like you gotta, you gotta blow things up. And we're so quick to, you know, and we enjoy change. We enjoy like stuff like that to to see player movement, but this is, this is an organic team. The Celtics have put together a team of guys they've drafted guys they've believed in and they've been really criticized for sticking with it and not making a lot of drastic changes. But to see them make a change like this in the middle of a year after consecutive seasons of having failures, and if they're actually going to work this out, that'd be really impressive. Like we haven't seen a team just figure things out culture-wise in this type of situation. We, we don't see that very often. No, you don't. And it's, um, it's, it's so awesome to see. And I also want to say that I think with the – subtraction of shooter is helping mm. the ball movement as well and i know it's mm. only been a few games so it's a small sample size but you know he was playing for a payday let's let's call it what it is so removing him from kind of take calling his own number so to say i certainly think that um the ball and the fluidity everything is moving a little bit better and someone like Derek white who is just so he's so not selfish so adding him into the mix with the subtraction of shooter and it's it's helped the Celtics and yeah I think they found their culture change and it's um it's here to stay so I'm excited to see what what it's going to be like after the all-star break and um hopefully they don't break my heart (laughs) (laughs) they've they've been pretty good at that recently but yeah yeah yeah. when they signed Schroeder I I never liked that from the beginning because it I and I feel bad for Schroeder too because the perception was always going to be he's playing for a payday because of what happened because how, okay. how screwed he was in the off season. So no matter what he did, even if he was playing well, people would still, you know, be holding that in the back of their minds, but he's ever since uh, his time in OKC, you know, he's really always been given this role of being downhill point guard, get to the rim. And that's how his playmaking is going to come from that is going to come from him 
making a play with Wallace hands, not really making a play for others. Like he hasn't been that guy. So when the Celtics signed him, I always saw that as being an issue because you're adding another guy who needs to have the ball in his hands to make something happen. And that's not what this team needs. So getting a guy like Derek white, is just perfect. It's addition by subtraction and addition by, by adding a guy like uh, white. Did I say green again? No, All right. I'm so paranoid. <laughs> <as well. laughs> um, th- maybe I'm thinking Javante green. I don't know what it is, um, which thank you, by the way, I- I've never taken the time to, to thank you guys for gifting us Javante green to duck the tax. I've never been so happy. Such he is he is good. He is a great role player. Um, but but back to back to White. Um, you know, a lot of players, uh, aka Demar Derozan, get buried in San Antonio. But you've had a few games now to see him. I think there's a chance that there's more to Derek White than you think, and I I think there might be this identity that he has where he can be a lead playmaker because a lot of times in San Antonio he was really forced to play a combo guard role be be a shooter off of uh, DeJounte Murray and not have a lot of opportunities to really run a whole offense and I mean what timing that you guys get him when Marcus Smart goes down and now he has the chance to do that I, I think Marcus we don't have an official timetable yet but with what looks like a high ankle sprain it could be it could be about a month until he's mm-hmm. back depending on how bad it is but um, I'm curious if you're excited for that, if, if you think he has potential to slide into that role and what you think that might affect uh, in terms of the, the ceiling of the Celtics right now. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm ecstatic. I think that, like you said, it's so convenient that we, we add in D. White and then Marcus Smart gets an ankle injury. And so now all of a sudden Derek White can come in as the starting point guard and play more of a playmaking role. And in the small sample size that the Celtics fans have seen of him, He's an excellent playmaker, and he's got good offense. He drives well, and he finishes well at the bucket, but he's also tenacious on defense. So I think him sliding into the role is, is going to really help propel these guys. And also, I think the team itself, they want to play hard for these new additional guys to show them what type of team they are. So it's, it's only like um, it's a double boost, in my opinion, where you add in Derek White into the starting lineup. Tatum and Brown are going to try to elevate their game to show Derek White what it's like to play for the Boston Celtics. And it's only gonna, it's only up from here, in my opinion. Brad Stevens yeah. is a genius, isn't he? All this stuff, he's really, all this stuff he's putting together, <laughs> he man. He can do yeah, what it. He, is unbelievable. He, he, that do what are you going to give him for man? a grade? What are you going to give him for a grade? Speaking of Brad Stevens, if, if you had to grade him right now for the job he's did, did since he randomly got promoted to that position last year to now, what's, what's your grade? I would, I'd have to give him at least an A. Um, he got off the okay. Kemba Walker's bad contract. Yeah. Um, bringing yeah. in Al Horford was actually a good move. He brings good defense and relatively good offense, and he meshes well with the team. Um, it was a surprising to see Josh Richardson get traded at the deadline, but for Derek White, it was totally worth it. Uh, he's moved on from Romeo Langford, so all these young guys that were kind of not progressing well in their career because there was too many people in front of them are getting opportunities elsewhere. But just from the, uh, the moves that he's made to, to move players out of Boston and bring players in has been very good. And um, maybe a might be a little too high, but he certainly (laughs) deserves a, a B or a B plus at, at, at the sliding quickly here. You've gotten no more than 40 seconds. For the assets that he had, I mean, you gotta say (laughs) he's done, he's done about as good as he, as, as he could do without basically without trading any of his, uh, 
his main his main three stars. So that's always Absolutely. that's always that's that's when you know you got a got, got a good guy in charge when he can uh, make smart moves and make impactful moves without trading any of the big boys. Yeah, that's right, um, and that's exactly why he deserves an A. <laughs> fair enough. I think my worry for when he was promoted to, I mean, he's in charge of the overall vision of this team. He's not in charge of the X's and O's anymore. He's in charge of where this team is going to go. And really any, any team is going to go as far as what the GM is going to put together. That's the reality of it. Um, and I was worried that, you know, maybe there needs to be more drastic change here. And if you bring in Brad Stevens as, as the visionary, like he's going to, it's going to keep a lot of the pieces that he believed in because he was so intertwined with management, so intertwined with Ainge and what was going to be brought to the table. <laughs> and it seems like maybe this is one of those rare cases, like we talked about in terms of rare case of culture change and shifts, improvement over the course of a year, that patience might be the thing that pays off. And that, that's, that's been a common theme this year, right? Like patience with uh, Daryl Morey and, and the Simmons situation and overall patience with the, the two J's patience with this team, allowing them to, to figure things out with the new coach. So maybe I'm with you. Maybe the, the patience is as excited as non-exciting as it was for uh, Celtics fans to see so many signings go by and, and all these trade deadlines over the past few years and seeing that happen. And then to see Brad Stevens not do a whole lot. It's maybe this is the, this was the right course of action all along. But um, I do want to talk about – go back to the offense. This is something interesting for me because um, we talked about the passing. That's been huge. Um, a, a couple of things that, that I'm curious about, shot selection. Shot selection. That, that's, that's a phrase that will make Jason Tatum mad um, for sure. That's uh, been something that it's, this team has been notorious for. How have you felt about the shot selection over this last stretch? Over the 10-game stretch, the shot selection has been excellent. They've moved the ball very well, as we talked about with passing. Um, so if we're going to go back to the Detroit loss, Tatum got an excellent look, although I'm a fan and an advocate for Tatum to drive to the hoop and take mm-hmm. that last second shot because there's always a chance that he gets fouled, hits the free throws, we win the game, or he hits the bucket. So, um, But nonetheless, he had a great look, and that's his shot, and that's what he likes to do. But over the past 10 game stretch, I have no complaints about the shot selection. Uh, Grant Williams is always getting open from the corner three. Uh, they're moving the ball very well. And I can't say that I remember a time over this 10 game stretch where I was kind of scratching my head thinking, what are they doing? It just seems like everything's coming together very well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I'll take it all the way back to, to the, the Suns win that I, that I referenced Ever since then, ever since really 2022, since that win over the Suns, um, th- this is what represents it for me. Their effective field goal percentage goes from bottom five from the beginning of the season to December 30th. After that win against the Suns, they've been top five in effective field goal percentage. And wow. I think that a lot of that's stemming from the passing, you know, being patient, waiting till it swings to the right guy. Grant Williams, third best corner three-point shooter in the league that that one has been the greatest development for me because I think we we talked about this a few times last year that that's such a key part of what he needs to do in the offense and last year just wasn't that at all but Mm -hmm. um let's let's talk some Grant Williams like well he's he's been such a he's been one of those young guys where you're like is he is he good is he gonna be good is he gonna help us I don't know and (laughs) I think now he's actually becoming like a serious cog in this new system like are you, are you all in on him now? 
Yeah, I have no complaints about him. And for the past couple of years, you're right. It's been kind of like, uh, I don't know, but then he brings me back in. But this year he's taken such a step forward and he's got to be in maybe conversations for most improved because he started off his NBA career as zero for 25 three-point shooters. And now he's, it's like 40 something percent from the corner. So, and his defense is, is legit. It's very good for his size and his strength. He, um, he brings a certain element to the team that they desperately need. So when he's in the corner and he's get, getting the ball, he's hitting it more often than not. It's been exciting to see. So he's uh, he's taking a huge step forward, and I, I think it's uh, it's not a fluke. Man, it's, we're, we're dropping hot takes. Is. He's symbolizing the grit and graft of this Boston team. I think Grant Williams. That's what I'm seeing out of him. All that he's working hard. He's got it. He's got himself a role, and obviously the fact that he's a. Uh, uh, Somewhat of a force on defense, especially for for his size, like you said, it's uh, it's really impressive, and that's what Boston are getting back to. They've always been about the grit and grab, the the hard the hard work and stiffs. You know, that's what Boston's all about. And uh, <laughs> Grant Williams, one of the guys, is uh, is kind of kind of epitomizing that 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 kind of mentality and that kind of uh, that kind of nature uh, within this Boston team at the moment. To be honest, absolutely, well said. I, I I don't know. Most improved, maybe most improved three point shooter. I don't know. It's if a hot let, take. Let, yeah. Can't let you get away with that hot take without saying anything. <laughs> I know. I heard just <laughs> him and PJ Tucker up there for the corner of the corner threes, isn't it? Yeah. PJ Tucker, 46. He's scorching. He just came out of nowhere. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the exact guy that you needed him to be. And I think he's really, when we talk player comparisons, when he was um, coming into his own in the past couple of years, I always, thought you know if he can embody that pj tucker role like be a very good switcher playing like a really good small ball five moving the ball well shooting from the corner that that's what he could do bring to this team and he's doing it um but you mentioned young guys i've i've been waiting 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 for neesmith and pritchard pritchard who was like a god in summer league like this guy <laughs> was pulling up from the logo in summer league and i'm like okay this Clearly, he's going to find his his place on this team, especially with the new coach. You know, his, pay his way, shooting. You pay way too much attention to the summer day one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. That, that, that is my problem. But uh, and Pat Williams that next to uh, Kawhi Leonard, but uh, <laughs> but I I thought you know at least from the performances he had, you know, it's the litmus litmus test. The summer league is a litmus test. Um, Keldon Johnson looked amazing, and I think that's that's carried over. His confidence is carried over there, and I thought Peyton Pritchard might have that. Um, not a lot from Aaron Neesmith, but do you have hope for these guys? Are they going to be another, uh, another, what's his face moving on to the Spurs? Uh, Langford is, is the name, but no, I think that the, development, <laughs> uh, the development with the two players will certainly come. And we've seen flashes from both players. I thought last year, Peyton Pritchard played excellent when he came in as the starting point guard or just being the point guard in general, he seemed to always hit his first shot. I think he's taken a step back this year, but also the point guard role was kind of flooded with the signing of Schroeder and, uh, and everything like that. So I got faith. I understand that uh, they're not playing as much as they should, but with the, with the departure of certain players, it's going to open up more roles for them. And I believe that they're only going to progress from here. And it's exactly what they needed because they're kind of getting buried. So uh, letting, letting them get into the rotation and develop their game a little bit better. I, I see it's, great potential with both players and you know maybe it's not this year but perhaps next year they can kind of take that next step forward into being solid contributors as role players yeah the Neesmith in particular I 
I've been super disappointed. I, I thought he was going to be one of the most underrated rookies from his class. I, I thought he had serious shooting potential. And I mean, that, that's what he was drafted for. You know, I, I thought he was going to be like a Seth Curry kind of guy for you right off the bat, but it just really hasn't come to fruition. Um, I don't know. Like, do you feel like they run enough sets for him? Does he get enough opportunity as a true shooter? No, they don't. Uh, they, it seems like, you're right. We, we drafted him for shooting, but his game in the NBA over the course of a year and a half has really translated to being a, like a very athletic freak. Like he's coming in, he's dunking the ball, he's even blocking shots. But in terms of shooting, it's been a little lackluster. It hasn't been what we expected, as you mentioned, something along the lines of like a Seth Curry. And he was regarded as one of the better shooters in his draft. So I don't think they're running enough sets for him, but I think over time that that will come. And uh, it's been interesting to see how athletic the guy is and how he can jump and all the athleticism that comes with him. So uh, I hope that shooting comes better with him, but he's shown flashes. So he's a player that I certainly enjoy watching. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because athleticism is what jumped off the page for me because you see him do these things like grabbing rebounds, really, really showing effort on defense, his quickness and his ability to attack the basket, at least in the open court. Um, can't really put it on can't put the ball on the floor too much yet, but if he can just channel the shooting that exists there, and that's the thing that frustrates me, like whether it's maybe he just isn't ready to take shots within the flow of a game right now, like just being an opportunistic shooter. Cause I mean, there's plenty of issues that the Celtics had to figure out before. Hey, let's, let's get Aaron Neesmith shots. Like they, you know, there, there's so many right. other issues they need to fix first. And I think that's going to be the benefit if this team can get a steady identity, because then, you know, once you're, once you're really good defense and this is your identity, then you can start, you know, playing around with things on offense. And they've already played around with the, well, Hey, maybe we don't run a million ISOs a game and we throw the ball around a little bit and maybe, Hey, we, let's, let's run, let's run some uh, actions for Neesmith to get some open shots. Cause this guy, I feel like is such a secret weapon off the bench. Cause you've seen how he can attack the basket. And if he can get going from three, the, the way that he could, he can start to have some gravity because you guys haven't had a motion shooter since when, like when was the last guy that like you had a guy, if he catches the ball on the perimeter, teams are like, Oh shit, we need to get out on it. Like that. You haven't had a guy like Ray that. Allen. Yeah. It's since Ray Allen. Since Ray Allen. You haven't had a true shooter like that. And that's honest. That's who he is. Um, so it's, it's a shame that you know, that hasn't been leveraged yet. I don't think that's going to randomly come out of nowhere this season, but that's that's the kind of guy that honestly, when you, and we'll talk about the buyout now because I'm curious if you have any guys in mind. But when you think a piece that the team needs, I think like shoot, like true shooter, getting a guy who's that dangerous that really draws defenses the perimeter, allows guys to open passing lanes, driving lanes. Um, but I don't, I just don't see the market for it. So any guys that you have in mind, any positions that you'd like them to look at in the buyout market now that things are dried up. Um, in the buyout market, you know, I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking about this team. They kind of have depth everywhere. You know, they're solid at the centerpiece, the forward pieces. Um, I'm not exactly sure who they should bring in or something. Um, uh, maybe a guard, but they need a shooter. They need someone who is like a, a great shooter who can make the three-pointer and things of that nature because this team is very well covered on the defensive end, as we've talked about plenty. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly who, which players I would be targeting. I'd have to take a look at the list, but 
I'd say the number one thing that they need is, is shooting. That's the number one thing. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, if you could, <laughs> this is a curious question because I'm just thinking back, you know, you, you said Ray Allen, if you could, if you could sign any, any past Celtic to this team right now, the, the perfect, the perfect Celtic, who would you, who would you add to this team right now? Like does, like, does it matter about their age? <laughs> no, no, any, any, any Celtic prime past present, bring KG from out of his uh, MGM robes. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would be amazing. Um, no, I, I wish that they, I wish that they would bring back Isaiah Thomas. You know, he's not like a difference maker, but if they're struggling down the stretch and they bring him in there to kind of ignite the crowd or something, it, it could be beneficial. So if Isaiah Thomas was playing like he was in 2016, bring him in for the fourth quarter and he's dropping 20 points. <laughs> so um, that would be the perfect addition. But, you know, that's a tough question because there's obviously so many Celtics players over the past 20 years that you put on this team, they're instantly better. This is a perfect example. You, you can lead the horse of the water and you, you drink. It was, I was waiting for you to mention Isaiah Thomas. The clamoring is there and the opinions are there. And I don't know if it, if it happens, but that, that would be, that'd be quite the reunion and, and a bit of an awkward reunion. Are, are they going to bring the, bring the Brinks truck for him this time? <laughs> well, I don't think it would happen, but it would be awesome if it happened. Um, bringing back Isaiah, so uh, that's on my wish list. Yeah. Um, what, what what else? Do you, you want to talk any any across the NBA stuff? Tim, the floor is yours. This is your podcast. This is a this is a bleed green episode. Well, I, I'm going to hit a four spot for Ronan, but it's nice to see the New York Knicks slipping a little bit after their Jesus. Little start. Man, how did how to treat your host? All right. <laughs> Well, I can't say I'm surprised to hear that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's what happens when they, they beat the Celtics in a double overtime game to start the season. You know, I, I was pissed. Yeah, we've had some, we've had a couple of nice wins against against you guys. That that's those two, those have probably been the only two bright spots of the uh, of the entire season. So yeah, <laughs> that's probably the only two things I've enjoyed about New York Knicks basketball this season. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, we, we we keep going we have to go through this every week it's just it's just really bad i don't know what they're going to do to fix this and i don't know if they're going to have to get rid of tibs get rid of all the old guys just go full rebuild mode i really i don't i don't know what the hell the plan is in new york it's just another year of crap that's just 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 normal nick stuff really <laughs> yeah and i thought we had it tough in Boston earlier, but um, I'm certainly wrong on that. But um, something to note is that if the Celtics just secured a couple, two or three of these close games that they've lost plenty of, they'd be right at the top of the standings. And that's very, that's very interesting as a team with a loaded East that if they just won, let's say they won one of those games against the Knicks, then all of a sudden they're, they're now one game away from the third spot. If they win one of those games that they blew a 25 point lead or so, then all of a sudden they're tied for the third spot. And if all of a sudden they don't lose to a couple buzzer beaters, then they're right there at the top with uh, the Bulls and the Miami Heat. So although it's been a, it was a tough start to the season, they're right where they need to be. And with a couple of changes with the uh, schedule and with the wins or losses, they'd be right at the top. So um, it's been exciting. And it's also been, 
exciting to see how the East has basically taken over from the West being the powerhouse. So you look mm-hmm. at the standings and uh, Christian, I know you mentioned this when we were hanging out a couple of days ago that the bottom of the West in the play-in, they're all kind of, you know, suspect teams. And it seems like it, that was always the East. So it's been kind of a nice shift and it's been obviously, um, you know, with the Bulls bringing in the additions that they made over the uh, over the last year and a half or so, but um, it's been it's been a joy to see that the East is now kind of the powerhouse of the league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely been that's definitely been good to see. It's uh, it's nice to have that that little bit of a switch. The West the West has been too dominant for uh, for too long, and it's good to see that battle. Like it's it's kind of crazy to think there's still. There's probably, would you say there's at least six teams in the East that you could realistically see being a top two team? That's that's yeah. kind of that's kind of a, it's kind of a scary thought to have, but that's what you love. That's what it's all about the the great competition. That's what you want to see, and long long may it continue. Yeah, yeah what I was gonna say is like, I mean, you mentioned how like all those close games you could have won. Like so many teams in the East can say that right now. Like if we if we didn't lose all these close games because there's so much parity right now and it's 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 crazy to me how it's it's gone that way and it's only I mean in my opinion unless crazy movement happens again like it's only gonna get better because look at the Raptors like they they are a team that are starting to figure themselves out starting to figure out their identity um, you could look at how many different rotations they've been running all season they've had a million different ones Siakam is finally finding his groove and they have a really nice rookie there Cavs came out of nowhere now they're a top four team in the east top right, right. 15 team in the uh, top 12 I don't know it, it depends on the day but I mean the, the Cavs are at any point in the season arguably a top 10 team depending on how they're playing and that's nothing I expected Hornets they're on a slide right now but dude they've got talent and really yeah I mean, it's it's insane to me. The Heat haven't missed a beat. And I, I don't know how this playoffs is going to go. And as, as a Bulls fan, I, going into all-star break, top of the East should feel amazing. But, like, you got a target on your head <laughs> every, right. every night, every <laughs> single night. You're trying to ask for sympathy when you're at the top of the, of the Asian Conference. Like, <laughs> Come on, man. It's, it's, tough. it's tough being the best of the East, man. It's, it's stressful. It's stressful. I miss... I miss, you know, like the days where the, the, the days where it was just stress free, like you see the Bulls get waxed by 20 points and I just go and I check the uh, the lottery standings and I just start looking at college highlights. So those those are the easy days. You know, it's, it's tough. It's not easy to to deal with this pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'll save I'll save my tears <laughs> here for <right> now. <laughs> um. Tim, what else? You got you got anything else for us? We're we're just on time here. So if you have any closing closing remarks, closing hopes and dreams for for yeah. the Celtics for the NBA, what do you got? My close my closing remarks is that it could not have gone any better for the Celtics going into the into the All Star break. They get eight days off, then they play Brooklyn in Brooklyn. I really think that they can come off to a nice three game win streak at the very least. And uh, that, that would bring their record up to 37 and 25, I believe. And um, there's some tough games out there and there's going to be some tough games, but I certainly think that this team is driving in the right direction. And if they get off to a hot start after the all-star break, kind of pick up where they left off. I think that, um, you know, the there's, there's an infinite amount of potential with this team and I'm just very excited for the playoffs. So I'm interested to see how the standings look, and I, I'm eager to get back on the podcast with you guys and talk standings. 
Yes, sir. All right, well, Tim, it's been great to have you as usual. I mean, don't forget to uh, to bleed green in this episode. Excited to see the Celtics back. And so, sorry, Ronnie, we couldn't end another episode without mentioning your Knicks. And soon it could be good things. Who knows? Maybe Tibbs is gone. Maybe maybe get a little bit of Cam Reddish I don't know if every once good. in a while. <laughs> that's what the problem is. I don't know if getting rid of him is the good thing. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll have some Knicks therapy Knicks therapy soon. Uh, I don't think Ronnie will consent to having it on air, but if off air, I think you need it, my friend. <laughs> uh, big time, yeah. Well, th- th- thanks a lot, Tim. We appreciate you coming on. It was good. Good to hear your thoughts on Boston. And uh, hey, uh, as much as uh, much has been a tough year for me, I'm, I'm happy to see other other fans enjoying what they're getting out of their teams. Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate it. And my pleasure, guys. Everybody, thanks for joining us again on this episode of Coast to Coast. Enjoy this all-star break. Enjoy the dunk contest, maybe. The, 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 are, are we going to enjoy the these these games? I'm, I'm not too excited about it, to be honest. Yeah, it's hard to really fall in love like he used to, but I don't yeah. know. Could still be fun. Yeah. Enjoy Juan Toscano Anderson. Yeah, enjoy JTA throwing down two-handed dunks and J. Cole, uh, Cole Anthony. Obi Toppin could have some fun dunks. I, I, Obi Toppin will have fun dunks. He will have fun dunks. Um, Jalen Green will, will be fun. But uh, besides that, uh, yeah, enjoy also break. It, it, this is more about the, uh, the, the buyout market and all the – We'll, we'll probably already be talking about March Madness over at All-Star Break. Yeah, that's what we'll get into. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.